A cool breeze could be felt as we stood on what seemed like the edge of infinity as dark, formless mass and looming silence closed in around us. Only the occasional shuffle of the rubber soles of walking shoes against loose dirt could be heard. We felt the crowd of people pressing in on us, but could not make out either face or physicality. Then, the sky took on a soft gray light and silhouetted numerous heads and shoulders in what seemed to be one great form made of many individuals. As time crept by, the gray of the sky became deep purple, then pink, then a bright hue of yellowish-orange. An intense concentration of light could be seen over the dark rim of the eastern horizon. Now, even the shuffling had stopped and time itself stood still in anticipation of the glory to come. Suddenly, the silence was broken with a loud, thunderous applause as the first sliver of sun appeared over the dark rim. Almost instantaneously, a whole world of light and shadow and immense color came into being. The applause faded into the clicking and whirring of cameras as the glowing sun, now resting momentarily on the rim, shot its rays across canyons, crevices, trees, and trails. As it continued to rise, it revealed a world so vast and colorful that the eye could barely take it all in. Yet, the heart was deeply touched by the magnificent beauty of nature's handiwork over eons of time. The morning songs of birds could be heard over the joyful multilingual murmuring of the crowd as the faces and features of people from all over the world could be seen walking back to the nearby parking lot where cars, buses, and bicycles waited. Larry and I walked back to our car with a deep feeling of inner peace and knowing that our often chaotic human existence was permeated by a great universal order. Somehow, in seeing the sunrise over the Grand Canyon, my husband and I understood that we and all people were part of the eternal activity of creation, recreating itself again and again in an endless cycle of life, death, and new beginnings. Many such moments have come and gone since then, but the memory of that special dawn returns whenever amid frustration or resignation, I need it as a reminder that new beginnings are just on the horizon. Thank you, Larry. He posted that on Facebook from my book.
the language of God, metagetics and the Bible. And uh, it is unlike any Bible book or book about the Bible that you've ever read, as you can get a taste of what it really goes to is that language that's beyond language, that, that uh, sense that's beyond senses, that connects us with all of life, with all the universe. For this is what we really are. This is the whole of who we are. The whole of who we are is the whole of the life that is around us. And that's what our message is about today. It's, it's called the healing kinship. And healing, as Deepak Chopra defines it, is remembering your wholeness. Remembering your wholeness. And there are ways to remember your wholeness that we'll get to in a little while. First, a few stories and antidotes and the things that ministers throw into their talks. And acknowledgments. How fabulous to be here with you this morning. The last time I was here was when Anne and Alan, Anne, Anne Janae and Alan Quay were here. And I was teaching at Unity Village at that time. And I came out for, as, as Kelly Isola will be with you. I don't know if she's going to be online or in person, but I do highly recommend both that course, Healing and Wholeness. I have taught that course myself and, and Kelly's wonderful healing presence and work that she does. So I do recommend that. Um, and I was here many years ago and it's good to be here again. I walk onto these grounds and I feel that connection. Don't you feel it when you walk onto these grounds? You feel that connection with the life that's not just in the building but all around it and, and connected with each other, connected with the whole world. My grandmother, Mildred Park was the founding minister of Unity of Fairfax. And Fairfax is where I grew up. And uh, I remember riding with her. She had, she had that connection. She felt that connection with all of life. And I remember riding down our, our, our neighborhood street with her one day. And there was a house being constructed. And she saw something. And she pulled into the driveway. And she got out of the car. And and she went storming over to, to whatever it was she was seeing that, that I had not yet seen. And what she had seen was uh, that one of the trees they were cutting down uh, to build this house, there was a squirrel in the tree. And the squirrel had fallen down with the tree and had been injured. And the construction worker, to put the squirrel out of its misery picked it up by its tail and started swinging its head against the tree. My grandmother stopped him from doing that. And she said, I'll take the squirrel. And so they found a little box, and next thing I know, she's bringing this squirrel 
unconscious squirrel back to our car in this box. She took it home. She gently washed it with the cloth and put salve on its injuries and, and its bleeding ears. And when it started to stir a little bit and feel better, she, she got an eyedropper and she started feeding it oatmeal and ground up walnuts. And she did this for a couple of weeks or so and the squirrel started coming around and coming back to life. And uh, when it did, you know, it, 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 was, it was a squirrel <laughs> looking for things to climb, including us. And so it would crawl out of its box and it would climb up our legs and, you know, and, and uh, we named it Tickletail because that is how it felt uh, as, it climbed, as, it, as it used humans as trees. And uh, as Tickletail got stronger and stronger over the weeks, he finally got to the point where it was time to release him back into the woods. And so we went out and, you know, we, we set it down and we opened the box and he jumped out and he scampers off a little bit and looks back at us and then goes off to his new life. Out of the seeming most horrific conditions, new life can arise. That's what I was taught. That's what the sunrise at Grand Canyon taught me, that even, even the, the forces of erosion and, and storm and water and wind create such beauty such power, so that millions of people can be reminded in that moment of sunrise of that order underneath all things that is always calling us back to it. When we feel off balance or things are off, we are always called back to that center to remember who we are who each of us is. So my grandmother felt this kinship with Tickletail, and she adopted, by the way, most every cat that was thrown into the church alley and deserted. So at one point, you know, we, we were living with, with uh, my grandparents, and uh, in our household, we had four cats, one dog, two turtles, two hamsters, one parakeet, and five fish. Because we loved the different forms of life. Remind you of anybody else's house? Anybody ever grow up in a house like that? There we go. There we go. And just so you know, today I'm down to one cat. And, and she is my beloved friend and companion. To remind me of who I forget I am sometimes just by that sheer playfulness and love. Yeah, I grew up loving animals. In fact, the other career I considered, other than ministry, was to be a veterinarian. 
but I was a little challenged by science. So I became a vegetarian instead. <laughs> but I'm not a proselytizing vegetarian. I used to be. When I first went vegetarian, I pointed at some green beans once and said, this food has touched meat. And if anybody's ever lived with that, you can, you can understand that. As the saying goes, there are none so righteous as the newly converted. But today, my outlook is such that it is not so much a matter of what we do, but how we do it, the awareness with which we do it. The mindfulness with which we eat our food. Do we truly eat our food knowing that we are taking in a vital sustenance that the universe has provided for us, that life has given itself up to our life, whether it be animal or plant or anything else. Do we eat that food? Do we embrace life and all of the things that we enjoy in life with the awareness of where they have come from, the hands they have passed through along the way, all that has been put into each little thing that makes our life better? Do we have that awareness that the wholeness of all that is is within us, it clothes us, it feeds us, it is alive as a spirit of life within us every moment of every day? Is that an awareness that we have? If I dare speak on behalf of all of humanity, I would say that sometimes we forget that. We forget that we are connected to all of life. And, and we have our moments where that basic instinct to survive kicks in and our only concern is our own life. It might be uh, uh, literally our physical life or, or it might be um, the life of, of our ego and who we think we are in the world. And when those things are threatened, those are the most sacred opportunities to return, to remember our wholeness. We can see the results of people who have felt such a threat in our human history and in our current humanity. It sometimes costs other lives in cruel 
ways, in large numbers. I don't know about you, but, but the compassion for life and for the connection with others with which I grew up has me feel to the core what is happening in our world, in Ukraine, and in other countries that don't make the news quite so much, in Yemen and Afghanistan, and the, the, the Republic of the Congo, the Democratic Republic of the Congo. I want to get the whole name in there. We, we see the inhumanity that we can put on each other from that place of fearing that we are going to lose something if we don't do that. We forget that the truth is we can lose nothing. That even the loss of life, yes, we feel loss deeply. We experience it at the depth of our being. We grieve the absence of someone's physical presence when we have lost them. And somewhere in the depth of that grief, we find new life. My sister, who grew up with me at Unity of Fairfax, lived in my grandmother's house until this past February, when she passed away of ovarian cancer. And I remember immediately following, I could say nothing. I was in the depth of missing something that had been there before. I couldn't eat anything. Larry took me out to a restaurant, and I just stared at my food. But I also remember that those are the times when the soul is nurturing itself from within so that it can find the way to new life. And since then, I have definitely felt Harriet's presence with me almost everywhere I go. I can hear her, almost hear her talking in my ear saying, hey, lighten up. She was a great humorist. She was a, a well-known actress for many years in the Washington, D.C. area. Well, this is the Washington, D.C. area, isn't it? She was at Little Theater of Alexandria for, for many performances some years ago. And, uh, and she always had a great sense of humor, and she still does because I carry her around in here. Don't you? Don't you carry those that you miss around in here? I also carry the people of Ukraine right in here, right in my heart. Larry and I have a couple of friends who live in Lviv. They don't want to leave. They don't want to leave. It's home. It's home. 
And, and we, we have a connection that is so much deeper than what is going on in our world physically. And it is through that connection that we find our way back to who we are. Through three simple principles. I'm going to have you repeat them so that you remember them. They're simple. Not always easy to follow, but they're simple. The first one, now, whatever you call the divine, you may call the divine God. I call the divine God. The divine is that permeating allness of presence that's everywhere. Whatever you call that, you can use in the first word. For me, God lives as me. God lives as me. You've heard God lives in you. God lives for you. God lives in your life. God lives as me. Let's say that together. God lives as me. And the way to remember this, when we do start to forget, it was in the writing that was read at the beginning. It's in every sunrise. You know, every day at sunrise, I step out on my back deck. If I'm not out walking, I step out at my ba- on my back deck, and I face the sunrise, and I dedicate this day to the wholeness of spirit that lives as me and as everyone. And as I'm doing it, um, I, I bring my choir with me. It's a choir of birds. The birds start to start to chime in to greet the morning. So if we remember our connection with all of life, we will remember who we are. All we need to do is tune in to the life that is around us in this moment. In this moment. A book I grew up with in Unity was by J. Allen Boone. It still applies today if you ever get a copy of it. It's a wonderful book. It's called Kinship with All Life. And he talks about his friendship and his connection with a German shepherd that was a movie star at one point, kind of a Rin Tin Tin character. These are true stories. With an old horse and with a fly that he named Freddy. And Freddie would always land on his typewriter when he was doing his work. And then Freddie would follow him from room to room as he walked around his house and prepared his meals and did his research and reading. And eventually he started holding his hand out and Freddie would land on his hand. He truly felt a kinship with all life, all life. And this is what he wrote about it. Ask the very beasts, and they will teach you. Ask the wild birds, they will tell you. Crawling creatures will instruct you. Fish in the sea will inform you. For which of them all knows not? This is the eternal's way 
in whose control lies every living soul and the whole life of man and woman. It's the eternal's way to remind you from the simplicity of the life that surrounds you and what it has to give you that God lives as you because God lives as all living things. I notice you have a bathroom named Eve. Eve's name refers to the mother of all living. Adam refers to human and not just human, but earth. Adam's name, Adama, in the Hebrew means earth, dirt, dirt. Because in verse 2-7 of Genesis, it says that man for, or God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So you're dirt. But, <laughs> but think about what dirt is. Think about what dirt is. If I can find my next quote. Carl Sagan, an atheist, knows the allness of life. He said, billions of years before the sun and earth even formed, atoms were being synthesized in the insides of hot stars and then returned to space when the stars blew themselves up. Newly formed planets were made of this stellar debris. The earth and every living thing are made of star stuff. So the next time somebody calls you a piece of dirt, say, thank you, I like you too. Because they just called you star stuff. The whole of the cosmic creation lives in you. And so you can easily step into these next two principles. The second one, God lives through me for you. God lives through me for you, whoever the you is in your life or in your world. Now, you may say, well, but, whoa, 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 wait a minute. It is not my responsibility to fix or rescue anybody else, it is up to them. And you would be absolutely right. There is no one and no thing in this world that needs what you have to give. I'll say that again. There's no one and no thing in this world that needs what you have to give. Not that there isn't need in this world. Eh, they just may or may not need what you have to give. But they don't. They don't. Here's, here's the key. You need to give it. You need to give it. Because it is the divine impulse of every natural living thing to step into the midst of the difficulty, to step into the midst of the chaos, to find the order, to bring forth a new creation, a new birth. 
And the third principle, God lives as you for me. God lives as you for me. Ooh, let's say those two principles. First, God lives for me as you. God lives for, through me. I'm sorry. I'll do that again. God lives through me for you. Okay. God lives through me for you. And I'll say this. I'll correct it a little bit. God lives through you for me. God lives through you for me. And did I say those were easy to remember? God lives through me for you. God lives through you for me. Because God lives as me and God lives as you. So God lives through you for me. And how do we practice that? When we are given a gift, when someone gives us something of themselves, there are two little words. Thank you. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had to overcome this. Oh, no, no. You know, even a compliment. Oh, no, not really. Huh. Not me. Oh, no, 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 you can't. No, I don't deserve it. When you are grateful to someone else, you are giving a gift to them as well because you have let them know that what they have to give is valued. Is valued. So God lives as me. God lives through me for you. And God lives through you for me. So whether we're practicing these principles by picking up trash on the highway or planting a tree or a garden or acknowledging someone we appreciate, or supporting life-giving supplies going to people who are in the midst of, ser of searching for that new life and that new birth. Whatever it is you are doing, you are part of the daily creation that comes with every sunrise, that comes with every minute, that comes with every breath you take. You are part of the creation of a new heaven and a new earth because you are creation expressing itself and recreating itself over and over and over again in every moment. In every My dad was a well-known Bible metaphysician throughout New Thought. And one of his sweetest, most simple teachings was the meaning of when Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away. 
many people look at that as total destruction. And it scares them. But here's what it means. When heaven and earth pass away, that means we no longer distinguish between the two. There is just the one. Just like there is the one heart mind, there is the one heaven on earth. So whatever it is that you are doing, you are creating because you are creation itself, creating itself. You are creating the new heaven, the new earth. And on this day, as we celebrate the spring, the recent happening of Earth Day, and new life, I pray that you will not only live this day to experience heaven on earth, but to create it as well. God bless you. And we move into our time of meditation. And this will be just a moment, a momentary experience, but one that we carry with us always. As you become comfortable in your chairs and let the chair support the full weight of your body, feel in the heart of your being, the spirit of life. Feel it radiating out from your heart to fill your mind with insight, with peace, to fill your body vitality and renewal. And let that radiant light reach out to touch everyone in this room and to meet their light till it all becomes one light. A light that moves beyond this sanctuary to embrace every part of nature, every blade of grass, every leaf, every bird, every bunny, every bug. To embrace the people of this community, of this great metropolis and area. And just feel that light expanding until it embraces the whole world. And beyond 
around this world shining like the blue pearl of the earth into the whole universe. And know this, in this brief moment of silence, you are the light. You are the body of the whole universe, perfectly expressing as you in the silence. Take a deep breath. And I'm going to ask the musicians, our beautiful, wonderful musicians, to pause for a moment. Embrace me with your holy light. Give me and let me take flight to the highest realms my soul can touch. And just when I think it's too high or too much, there you are, calling me farther still. Until I merge with your divine will, and come to know and understand you've placed the universe in my mind, in my heart, and in my creation that you are. God bless you. And amen. <laughs>